0: Welcome to the podcast of Eden Worship Center, connecting people to God and each other. We are currently studying verse by verse through the book of Romans. For more information, visit our website at edenworshipcenter.co. Hola. Buenos días. Dios te bendiga. That's it. That's all I got. That's where we're going to stop. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was God bless you. I found out um, that while we are on this trip that I really don't know that much Spanish. In fact, uh, I tried to explain to one little girl that I knew just a little bit of Spanish, only what I said to her was, I know a beak of Spanish. Uh, which I think she got the message, like, no, this guy doesn't know anything, so uh, it was pretty interesting. Hey, this morning, we want to take a little time. uh, First, I just want to tell you a little bit about the trip, what we did, um, and then we're going to have a slideshow where we go through a bunch of pictures, and and then we want to have all the young people come up and the leaders and sort of give a a brief testimony of what maybe they learned on the trip or uh, what God did in their hearts. And then I'm going to end with uh, probably a two-hour sermon on Psalm 139. So, hey. Yeah, yay! No, uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a pretty brief thing. So, uh, just starting, so we, 22 of us left uh, last Thursday, and what's that? 21 came back. Uh, we, traded, we traded Becca for a Guatemalan kid. So... <laughs> But we, we just had, we went and visited Randy and Brenda Purcell. They're missionaries that we support, if you don't know that. And uh, we got to spend the week with them going to, it seemed like uh, every inch of Guatemala. Um, although we, we actually just seen a very tiny bit, it took a long time to get everywhere that we went. Uh, we got to, to visit a number of pastors and feeding centers. And at the feeding centers, we were able to do um, a sort of a mini VBS for them, you know, like an hour, hour and a half long. And We did a human video for them, and McKay and Miriam and Serenity and Elisa sang. Justin gave a short message, and then we uh, handed out some candy and then got to play with the kids for a while. That was sort of what we, that was the game plan at, at every feeding center that we went to. And then we also got the opportunity to do a youth conference um, at, at a place called San Miguel, which was pretty incredible and incredibly hot. So uh, I, I did a lot of sweating on this trip, and uh, Caleb agrees. Uh, but at this youth conference, uh, we were able to play some games with the kids, and Dustin and preached for about four and a half hours, and um, not really... Four maybe, and uh, I'm just kidding. He did a great job, but we really just got a chance to love on a bunch of kids and to uh, share the love of Jesus with them. And uh, parents, your your teenagers did a phenomenal job of adapting to all sorts of uh, situations that we weren't expecting. That was one of the things that Randy and Brenda told us at the beginning of the week: was you know to be flexible. You know that. If there's one thing that's for sure, it's, it's that the plans are going to change while we're in Guatemala. So, and they were right; uh, it changed often. So, and then the the last day that we did ministry, we had a, a really neat opportunity. The um, feeding center that we were going to go to at a school got uh, the road between where we were and where they were. There were some indigenous people doing some demonstrations against the government which basically they throw a bunch of tires in the middle of the road light them on fire and don't let you through. So it would have been dangerous to try to head that way. So we said, all right, well, we can't do that, so what should we do? Well, the people that run that feeding center called the mayor's office and got us permission to go to the Central Park and basically do part of our program there. So we were able to go to the Central Park and do that do our program. Uh, the girls sang. We were able to do our human video a couple of times and then go around and pass out tracks. And it was uh, it was a very cool thing. And then after that, they actually invited us into the mayor's office where we got to meet with the uh, deputy mayor and pray for him and pray for the city. Uh, it was just really cool. God, you know, this door closed and we didn't know what we were going to do. And then God opens this other door and uh, we're able to do something even cooler probably. So, that's sort of the rundown of the trip. Uh, this is my beautiful wife, Brandy. Thursday, we will be married for 15 years. Yeah, she's incredible. All right, so at this point, let's, let's just go ahead and go through the slideshow, and we'll just, uh, we'll try to keep it moving pretty quick, but uh, we just want to try to give you guys a picture of what we did. All right, you can keep going. This is the. The day we left, am I in the way if I'm standing right here? Can you guys see? Stay right here with me. All right, go ahead. Oh, that was a couple days before when we were praying. Go ahead. There's some pictures. Some more. Some more. Those two bald guys are handsome. Just kind of getting ready for the trip. Got lots and lots of pictures, go ahead. Uh, Some crazy pictures on the drive. We can see up Becky's nose there, I think. (laughs) In each van, go ahead. This this is, I really like this picture. This was on our way at the airport. We're walking into the airport, go ahead. Here was where we were waiting for three hours to get our food. (laughs) Waiting for our plane that was delayed. More waiting. And we're on the plane. Here we were on the plane some more. (laughs) On the plane some more. We arrived in Guatemala, where we threw all of our luggage in a pile and then had to put it on this bus where we would spend a good portion of our lives this past (laughs) week. Go ahead. Justin hanging loose. Tyler and Caleb, very excited to be here. <laughs> Becca and Elisa. All right, so the, the first day we went, to, uh, went down the, to the coast, and then we went to a, a feeding center in a place called Iztapa, which is on the coast, and then San Miguel, which is just off the coast, and probably near hell, we're guessing. So <laughs> go ahead. Just judging by the temperature, it was a great place. I want to go back. it was really hot. Here's the courtyard at the mission house where we stayed a few nights. Um, This was just a beautiful place. We were able to gather around and pray that first morning. Go ahead. Here's a hummingbird that uh, flew into the dining room, and uh, Randy caught it. So here's a picture of some crops, I think. It's hard to tell, but uh, throughout the whole countryside, the whole country is pretty much mountainous. So, uh, and, and they're farmers, so what they do is they farm on the side of the mountain, um, which I assume the Yoder family would enjoy, but not many of the rest of you. Uh, when Randy and Brenda uh, are involved with um, a couple, of, or they used to be involved with a, a hospital, and at least on two occasions they had people come into the hospital who fell out of their field. So... Kind of an interesting, <laughs> and we don't get a lot of that in Indiana, right? <laughs> if you fall out of your field in Indiana, you tripped. Uh, they rolled down the mountain. All right, go ahead. Just some more pictures of the scenery. Just an absolutely beautiful country. Go ahead. Sugarcane, trash. There's lots of trash everywhere. Um, so, I mean, the, the beautiful country was kind of littered with trash. but... Here's the Pacific Ocean, everybody. And black volcanic sand. It was beautiful and smelled really bad. So we just waited a little bit. Here's a hotel we we stopped at to go out to the ocean and grab something to drink and eat. More pictures of the same. There's Randy and Brenda and Rebecca. Here's some more pictures of us. All right, this was the first feeding center that we went to. This was a church in Iztapa with Pastor Alberto. Remember his wife's name? Nope. Uh, Here is Emma, is his name. There's the pastor there in the back holding a Bible, I think. There, they're getting ready to feed the kids. Go ahead. Getting the food around for them. Kids eating. They have the most amazing corn tortillas on the planet in Guatemala. Here is um, us doing our human video for the kids. Justin speaking and Randy translating. Same place. Here we had a cross um, that we were having the kids come up and stick their, their sins and concerns to. Here's Asher explaining the, uh, the jelly beans that we handed out to him that, that sort of gave a picture of the gospel. So Ash did a great job doing that. Here's Tyler giving his testimony. Here's the uh, parachute that was much too big for any space we had the entire week. <laughs> Joe thinks that bigger is always better, it's not always true. Here we were doing some face painting. Uh, We just had, we got a really great opportunity to just love on a bunch of kids everywhere that we went, which was pretty pretty great thing. Here's the second place we went to. This is in San Miguel. This is a little village uh, just off the coast that uh, they just got power in this village six years ago. So it's a pretty, uh, there's a lot of poverty in this village. Lots of pigs alongside the road. Um, this is a house right beside the church in San Miguel. There's another picture of it, but you can see uh, there's an antenna sticking out the roof of the house. But uh, the go ahead. Some more pictures. Got some clothes on the line there. This is inside the the block building that they feed the kids in, and there's. Oh, how many kids were there at this one for the feeding center? I don't know, between 50 and 100 kids probably. It was very hot in there. That's Joe sweating. Go ahead. Here's us doing our uh, human video inside for him. Here's the church yard with no grass. A burn pile is uh, right in front of me there. The kids are just playing around the burn pile where they burn their trash. and uh, So we're just able to use that to just kind of play with the kids and, and love on them a little bit after we were done with the program. Go on. You're getting the food ready for everybody. Tyler was doing a fair amount of sweating as well. Go ahead. pictures of some kids we met and Megan's buddies. We wanted to put a few of the kids in suitcases to bring them home, but we didn't uh, yet. This was actually the following day at uh, the youth conference. We started out by playing a pretty epic game of electricity with three lines. Um, We started out where the kids were You know, just squeezing each other's hands. By the end of the time, they were yelling that the electricity was coming. So, uh, (laughs) I don't know what the Spanish word for cheat is, but they were doing it. This was uh, the worship time at the youth conference. Here's Dustin preaching and uh, our interpreter, Ian. Go ahead. Here's us doing the human video in the back of the church. We had everybody turn around and, and do it from the back. Go ahead. Here we had uh, an altar call. We had four kids come forward to get saved. Um, here we were playing a really giant game of musical chairs. <laughs> it was pretty cool. So, go ahead. Here's Destin preaching the second sermon, and our interpreter, Anako. Here is, uh, who is it, everybody? There you go. Here's Stephen. Stephen was sort of the uh, the coolest kid in San Miguel. So, go ahead. Here's Zach with his little buddy. You can see the bus behind us. There's some more pictures. Go ahead. McKay with her little friend. There's uh, Caleb up on the roof, Dan. <laughs> Caleb. Caleb got a new nickname while we were there. It's called Monoloco. Monoloco Mono, Mono, means Mono, Mono. crazy monkey. So <laughs> he was he was going up there to get frisbees that got thrown up there. Go ahead. Here's Stephen again with bunny ears. Here's Becky kissing the uh, local kids. She tried to kiss everybody, guys. Don't let her fool you. Go ahead. Even some more. Here's a, a picture of all of us at uh, San Miguel. Day three, we were able to go to church with Randy and Brenda. Uh, go ahead. We went to their Spanish-speaking church in the morning and then their English-speaking church at night. So go ahead. They were kind enough to uh, translate for us while we were there also, which was great. Go ahead. This is just pictures of the inside of their church worship time yeah it was their 20th anniversary celebration at the church here was a uh, a band that sang uh, classical Spanish music which was incredible their guitars we should play it for them sometime go ahead here is their church that they go to in the evening it's a union church uh, an English speaking church go ahead Just more pictures of the church. That was Sam, by the way. He's uh, the youngest son of the host family who stays at the mission house. There's Becky uh, trying to squeeze the guts out of some baby. Hey, who's that hot chick? Oh, it's you. There's Randy helping helping lead worship at the church. Go ahead. Here's uh, a couple of our kids being touched by God during worship. Go ahead. There's Justin. Uh, he wasn't real happy with me that I took this picture. But Justin at this point had a fever of like 112 or something. Uh, not really, but he was very, very sick. So I, was, I thought I should take his picture um, at church. Go ahead. All right. I'll let somebody else talk about the church service, but it was very fitting us being there, especially the Sunday night service. But all right, go ahead. The next two days, we were in Guastatoya and Chiquimula, which is up in the northeastern part of the country near Honduras. So this is uh, us stuck in traffic, which we spent a good number of hours doing just that. Uh, every day we went anywhere. So go ahead. There's sort of a Typical view of housing: um, a mixture of tin houses and uh, block houses, concrete houses. So, go ahead. Some more houses. Here's a uh, mudslide. In one in one place, the mudslide actually in the mountains had covered up two lanes of traffic and was into the third lane uh, that they were. Slowly digging, away, digging out. But that was like the main highway through the country. This is uh, the school in Guastatoya with Pastor Jaime. It's Jamie, if you're speaking English, I suppose. But uh, go ahead. There's Pastor Jamie and his daughter-in-law. Here's McKay and Miriam and Serenity and Elisa singing. Oh yeah, that hallway. Uh, was the only room that we had to to play with the kids so there were 207 kids and us playing in that hallway that was well over 100 degrees so (laughs) pretty interesting Uh, here's us doing human video again Jesus Uh, there's Asher sharing his testimony and uh, Randy translating Here's Rai Rai giving her testimony, which by the way, after Randy and Brenda heard her testimony, they wanted her to come back to San Miguel and do it again. So we'll see where that leads us. Here's classrooms. They had six or seven classrooms off of this hallway. And uh six was it? And no air moving at all. <laughs> Go ahead. Here was us uh trying to explain to the kids. What games we were going to play. Go ahead. Here is us uh, getting ready for a big round of Duck Duck Goose. Here's us playing with the parachute that's too big and playing Duck Duck Goose. Here's us getting ready to play some electricity again. Go ahead. Do a little face painting in one of the classrooms. Everybody's doing a lot sweating. And just a picture of the countryside here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. This was a hotel we stayed at in Chikimula. The water slide we got to play on. Swimming in the 95 degree water. Some more crazy pictures. Eating at uh, pizza place. Brandy trying not to pass out. Here is our. uh, This guy was our driver. His name is uh, Marcelino. He is not unlike Mario Andretti. (laughs) Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible driver with the bus. No, on, on a serious note, he. He's a Christian guy, and they they try to use him whenever they can, but just an incredible driver and uh, kept us safe for the most part. Go ahead. Here he is again with Ronald McDonald. (laughs) Here you go. Here is us at the park. um, Getting ready to do our uh, ministry at the park in Chickumula. More pictures of them. there we go. We're in the center center of the park. The girls are singing. Go ahead, doing their drama. More pictures of the drama. And this was actually after they had turned around and went the other direction. Here are some people we met in the park, and we're talking to them. Here's a picture of the mayor's office. The guy on the far right in the blue is Jose. Uh, he's the assistant mayor, which is actually, they actually function more like a governor in Guatemala because they're in charge of the city and the surrounding area. But go ahead. More sweating. Go ahead. Here's where we got to lay hands on him and pray for him, which was pretty pretty cool thing. Go ahead. And we got to take pictures with him. Go ahead. Marcelino again. Watch the road, guys. Uh, this was. Yet another traffic jam. Go ahead. Inside the bus. Brenda. Last day was just kind of a free day where we went to Antigua and were able to do some shopping and sightseeing. Go ahead. Here is the view. If the clouds weren't there behind us, you can see a giant volcano. About 12,500 feet tall. Go ahead city of Antigua. You can see some ruins down there behind us. There's a giant cross you're about to see that they're standing in front of. Go ahead. There it is. Picture of all of us with Antigua behind us. Just a beautiful, beautiful place. Good picture of Randy and Brenda. Caleb on top of the cross. There's uh Rebecca. Here's some pictures in the jade factory. We were able to go in. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's more eating. Go ahead. Alyssa trying to decide which scarf to buy. And the market. Go ahead. Pictures up at a restaurant we were able to eat at the last day. Go ahead. Just a beautiful restaurant. Go ahead. Some food pictures. It was delightful. Here's leaving. There's the uh, volcanoes. Go ahead. There's the three volcanoes when we were up above the clouds. So, Go ahead. That's it. All right. So at this time, I'd like to invite the young people to come up and, and share something. Uh, that was meaningful on the trip, maybe something God showed you or something you learned on the trip or your favorite thing. So I've got kind of an order. We're going to run through. Ashton, is this microphone on if I turn it on? Yep, sure is. All right, so we're going to start with Jared. Here, guys, just crowd in behind here. Everybody. I'm sorry, I, I should have been more clear. Everybody who went on the trip. Come on up. Go ahead, Jared. Yep, yeah, it's on. Go ahead. Um I don't know. My
1: favorite part probably was when we went to the second feeding center in San Miguel. San Miguel, which was probably over a hundred degrees and everyone was very sweaty and it was horribly, horribly hot. But we gotta play with the kids for a Pretty long time, and I met a little guy named Steven, who I played with for the majority of the time,
2: yeah, even though because he spoke no English, but we, yeah, we got along, and I played football with him. Pretty fun. but yeah, just
1: playing with the kids was a lot of fun: um,
2: my favorite part. Of being there was probably the fact that even though barely any of us spoke Spanish enough to talk to the kids, we were still able to communicate God's love to them, which was kind of awesome. And uh, also, God was able to use me to speak to a couple of the kids that came with us and uh, kind of help them through some difficult things, which was pretty awesome, also.
3: Um, probably my favorite part was probably getting to share my testimony in Guastitoya. Um, I made all of the leaders at the school cry, so (laughs) that was kind (laughs) of (laughs) entertaining. And then afterwards, after sharing my testimony, the Pastor and Brenda came and told me that, like, they could just feel God using me in this situation, and Brenda wanted me to come back to share my testimony at San Miguel, so that was kind of awesome to hear. Um, I loved um, interacting with all the little kids because... Um, even though there was a language barrier, we still like loved each other, and like it didn't really matter who you were as long as you like played with them and stuff they loved you and I just thought that was really awesome. Mr. and
0: Mrs. Geigley.
4: duck Goose.
5: Uh, my favorite part about the trip was the day that um, our plans kind of changed like drastically. We were going to go to the last feeding center. And um, that didn't work out because of the demonstration that people were doing on the road, because I was super short I know. <laughs> um, it was a neat thing for us to see that, you know, even though we had a plan and it was a good plan, It wasn't God's plan and so Mm -hmm. you know it was cool because instead of going to a feeding center where they preach the gospel daily we got to go to the park where some people hadn't ever heard so it was kind of neat to to be there and be able to do that and kind of watch people around and watching the kids do their program Uh, close second favorite would be when we were on the bus for five million hours and Joe had decided he was gonna name our baby on the bus so (laughs) This, he decided that he was gonna take uh, everybody's name. And he's gonna take the first letter of everybody's name, and he was gonna make a name for our baby. And so, baby uh, Jedzirk Zab Kimmers Mc Whatever uh, will be born in September and uh, have a real unique name.
6: <laughs> Old Jerry Jurgask. Jer- Gapsk. yeah. Anyways, um, the the whole trip, God was really speaking to my heart specifically. Um, you know, first of all, I know Joe said it, but your kids turned out to be pretty amazing on this trip. We just every single day, multiple times a day, we got to be so proud of them as they were doing things honestly we never expected them to do, uh, and we didn't have any issues which we did expect to have. <laughs> They were just, they're just a great group of kids, and you guys really came together well, and we're very proud of you. Um, also, though, that, I didn't mean to say that, but, but anyways, <laughs> no, I did mean to. Look. Anyways, uh, the whole trip, God was really speaking to my heart in how God is so much bigger than Honeyville, and, you know, you say it out loud, and it, it sounds like, well, duh, you know, We sing it in sunday school songs god is bigger than the boogeyman or you know that's i guess that's veggie tales but being there being there and and seeing god working these kids hearts and working in my own heart um and getting to see getting to see the churches that we went to on sunday specifically i think sunday was probably my favorite day out of the whole week even though i was sick the entire day really bad um you know, in the morning, we went to a Spanish-speaking church, and they did translate the sermon, but the rest of it was in Spanish. And So we had really only little idea of what was going on. Um, but, you know, getting to during the worship time, they were singing in Spanish. I recognized a few words that were, they were projecting on the screen. And being able to worship God, even though I had no idea what was going on, really, uh, just feeling the presence of God there with those people, it was, it was really, really touching, and then, you know, as the day went on, I got sicker and sicker, and I realized, I've got a fever, definitely have a fever, and we still weren't done with the day. We had to keep on going, so we went to the English-speaking church, which I think Jenny's going to talk a little bit more about, but specifically there, God was, um, you know, I was, I could barely raise my hands. I had so little energy, and I just felt so horrible, and it was hot, and I I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to lay down and people to leave me alone. Um, But then as soon as the worship time started, God spoke to me and said, you need need to worship me no matter what, no matter if you have a fever, no matter if you're feeling good. And, you know, coincidentally, that was also the very first song, Blessed Be Your Name, you know, on the road marked with suffering or when the season is great. And so I was able to um, experience just a great time worshiping him at the end of that, <clears throat> I fell asleep during the sermon. But I really believe God made me, so I'm excused.
0: <laughs>
6: because when I woke up, I was, I was healed of my fever, and I was feeling a lot better. Um, but <laughs> I gave it to you guys. <laughs> I was the very first to fall, but they, they started falling like flies after that, getting fevers and feeling sick. Anyways, it was it was just a really wonderful time feeling God working in my own heart and then seeing in your kids just really stepping up and maturing very quickly in a way I didn't expect. Elisa,
0: And then Alyssa. I think
7: my favorite part was when we were on the bus for a long time. Like, most of us, like, even though we were all tired and hungry and had to go to the bathroom, we started talking, and we just got to know each other more than we ever would have if we... Didn't have to get on, stay on the bus that long or if we had to, like, if we were all sleeping or had our phones and were playing on our phones and stuff like that. And the distractions we have around here, we just got to know each other way better than we ever would have.
0: Very true. Melissa.
7: Um...
3: And um I liked I thought it was cool to see how happy we made the kids when we played with them. And it was just fun to get to know all of them
5: a little bit. And yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Caleb. Uh
3: my favorite thing was probably playing with the kids at the feeding centers and being able to show them the love of God. But also, uh, God did a lot of work in me, probably more than I was able to help all the kids there. Like that picture you saw of the kids on the floor, that was me. Uh, uh, I was really touched by him, and I think that if I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have been able to have that privilege to become closer to God.
0: Becca, good job.
7: Hi. Um,
0: They're a little Guatemalan, everybody.
7: um, I would say my favorite part was hanging out with the kids, but they said to be a little more original, so um, my favorite part was um, when, during the youth conference, um, they were singing before and after, and um, even though I didn't know one word of Spanish, so I couldn't really I didn't know any of the lyrics when we were worshiping, but uh, that was okay because worshiping isn't really about knowing every single word and singing it perfectly to every single song. Um, Worshiping—it's a—it's a, a way of life. It's a—it's um, like—it's just submission to God and surrendering all your heart, soul, and mind. And I liked how I could do that without. Um, knowing one word of spanish not really knowing any songs and at the end of all we we're just worshiping one god and that was really awesome um i really also liked musical chairs um i didn't win though um you almost i got won. i got fourth place um but that's okay because i didn't really have that much of an advantage because all the nine-year-olds were taller than me
0: <laughs> they were pushing
7: me onto the floor and <laughs> that's why I didn't win, guys, that's why I didn't win.
0: All right. Jenny and Destin. Jenny and Destin. And then Becky. I'll
4: go first because Dustin will talk too long. <laughs> um, yeah, I really just thought it was so awesome to see the kids interacting with, um, you know, all the kids that we were around and were ministering to, um, but also with each other um, in our long bus rides, um, just whenever. But I in the dinner time, I mean, just not having electronics and different things, you know, they really got to know each other. They played silly games on the bus, and, um, and then we were just as leaders we were just so proud of them for being flexible and patient and willing to just like jump in and help wherever it was needed um and for me um you know i really loved the times which doesn't make sense for me but i really loved the times when we had things planned and laid out and you know we had an idea of what was going to happen and then didn't work out. And God had a totally different thing in mind. Um, I am a person that really likes to have order and likes to know exactly what's going to happen. And those were the times when I really felt like, you know, God was really doing something in our kids and in us. Sorry. When the kids were talking, so sorry. But I felt like those were the times when God was really leading and guiding, you know, our group. And hopefully, you know, ministering to the people that we were, you know, around and stuff. Um, One of the really awesome things that I thought was the church that Justin was talking about, Union Church. Um, It's one church. It's an English church in another country. And I think that there's a few of them all over the world. But um, it's, in this church, there's about 20 different countries represented. So it's just like people from all over the world, um, you know, coming together to serve one God, to worship God and stuff. And, you know, it's a real simple service, not really anything fancy. um, But the presence of the Holy Spirit was just like so powerful there. And, you know, so many of us felt it and just were so touched by it. And we could, you know, it was just so awesome to see God working in the kids and in us. And, um, I don't know, just the unity that you felt there um, and just, you know, looking around and seeing all these people from everywhere, you know, praising God and, um, you know, it just made you think, you know, gosh, (laughs) this must be what heaven's going to be like, you know, and it just, I don't know, the feeling was just something that you can't even describe, (laughs) so.
1: Um, When we first got there, we uh, went to the first feeding center in Tapa and, like, we had all this stuff planned, and then we get there, and it's like, there's no room, there's no room to do anything that we want to do, and so, in the same way at San Miguel, so it's kind of like you're scrambling, trying to come up with new games, new things to do, and to me, it was kind of overwhelming at first, because it was just like, yeah, just total change of plans, and, um, you know, just, I think the conditions were just a lot worse than I thought they would be, and we didn't really have, um, you know, it just kind of threw us for a loop, and we kind of had to just come up with new ideas and stuff, and then I was just really encouraged by uh, the pastors that we met, and just to see them just serving the church, um, uh, just Pastor Alberto at tapa and his wife, we prayed for them. Uh, Their kids are grown, and now they're off different places, like in the States and stuff, and a long ways away, so they worry a lot about them. And because there's no way for them to make a good living there, they have to go other places, so we prayed for them. And, you know, just to pray for these pastors and just have them, you know, they're just breaking down crying. Um, And just, uh, you know, just being able to encourage them, you know, just... As our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, just kind of the unity that we had everywhere that we went to just to pray with people and talk to people and to feel welcomed by them. And then we went uh, our second church in San Miguel. Uh, Pastor Miguel started that church in 1971. um, And he's been pastoring that church for 43 years. And, you know, he's just, um, you know, he's, he's real old now. And, but you can just tell like how faithful that he's been and the church is like the center of that community. And, you know, you go, you know, I went up there to preach and, you know, I put my Bible down and there's like a cushion kind of thing to put your Bible on. And I'm just thinking like, this: all this guy has is a Bible. You know, he doesn't have a bunch of fancy computer programs to like prepare sermons or probably a whole bunch of books. I mean, they live in like tin shacks and, you know, so, just to see the faithfulness of a man with God's word and to endure 43 years to build the church in this community that's only had electricity for six years and to know that he had 16 kids and six of them have died from things that you could go to the doctor and that you could just get treated, you know, like a fever or a cold or something you know, that, that they had died, and just to see, you know, that they just kind of keep, keep on going, and then at the end, he talked to us about kind of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. to, to the church, and to him, and how they've, they have missionaries in other countries from that church, and they have pastors in other countries, and other parts of the country, and just how God's just raised up all these people, you know, and just sent people out from this little church, like, literally down some dirt road, like, off the highway, like, way back in there, Um, and just to see, and then just to be able to pray for him, and then to be able to preach. You know, it was intimidating to get up and preach, like, in the pulpit that he preaches. I mean, here's a guy that's preached there for 43 years, and I'm like, you know, so I go to him before the service, and I'm like, hey, you know, if I mess anything up, if I say anything wrong, just get up. You know, this is the church that God's entrusted to you, you know, you're the shepherd of this church, and I want to be real humble. Like, you know, just, you know, if I say anything that's off, you know, I'm much younger than you and the Lord, you know, I'm not going to be offended if you get up and correct me, you know, because I want the word of God to be held, you know, in the, in the highest regard. So, um, so he was like, okay, okay. And then just to be able to preach the gospel and then see four people come up Um, and receive Christ, you know, because like the Bible says that, that all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. So, you know, we want to see more, but, but just to realize like four people, you know, became Christians, you know, um, through that. And then, you know, just the encouragement of the pastor to say, um, you know, that, that I preached the message clearly and in a way that they could understand, you know, that was my whole intention to make, the, the message clear and to make it understandable because he said so many times it's not clear and you made it clear for the kids so that was awesome and then just to be able to pray for him and encourage him in the ministry that he's doing and then also um, Pastor Jaime and Gustatoya he was just a guy that used to just drive around and talk to people on the street and then um, you know, just over time, just through that faithfulness, now they have, you know, the church has grown, and now they have a, a school, 200 kids um, in a Christian school, just making an impact in that community, and just being able to pray for him, yeah, and, and them just, you know, basically sobbing, you know, while you're praying for them, and, uh, you know, it's just real powerful, and just, we are way more blessed by those pastors you know, every time they talked to us, it was almost like, you know, prophetic, you know, where they were just so grateful and so, uh, would just so um, bless us, you know, just talking to us, and then we would pray for them. And then we got to talk to Pastor Gonzalo. We had lunch with him. That's all. We, we didn't go to a feeding center or anything after the, after the school. We just went to lunch with them and kind of talked to him. And here was a guy that was an alcoholic. Um until he's about 40 years old, and God, like, radically saved him, because he's like, you know, just, if you'll deliver me from this, you know, I'll give you my whole life and serve you, and he's been preaching, like, after about three months after becoming a Christian, he started preaching, and he's been preaching ever since, and a few years ago, uh, Missionary Ventures, who, um, who we went with, were able to bless him with a motorcycle. They have a motorcycle ministry where they raise funds and give a motorcycle to one of these pastors so he can go visit his congregation you know and and evangelize the community and one day he was pulling out of his driveway and he got hit by a car and then he got ran over by a truck and they thought that he was dead and then one of his kids is like no I think he's still alive and uh, they got him to a hospital but they cut him open they couldn't do anything there so they had to take him to an, another hospital, and they cut him open, and they were like, we can't do anything for him. And finally, they got him to the third hospital in Guatemala City, and they were able to save his, you know, save his life, but he lost a lot of his intestines and different things. And, uh, but he's still going, you know, I mean, after being hit by a car and run over by a truck. Um, you know, Just to see like, how faithful these guys are and the kind of things that they have to endure and just the way that they are serving the Lord and being faithful is just really convicting. And then they were, they're like in their late 60s now, and they had this little girl with them, and come to find out it's their daughter, that, and she's like in kindergarten or something. She's like six, six or seven. And a few years ago, somebody was going to um, just abandon this little girl. They're like, I have a kid. I can't take care of her. When she was born, she was only, like, six months into the term, and she was just, like, really small. And uh, they are like, no, we'll take her. And uh, all their kids were grown, and they were, like, 62 years old. And, uh, you know, but he said, you know, that Christ has done so much for me, and he saved me when I was in a really, you know, sorry state and poor condition. He's like, like, I should do this for this little girl, you know and um, so they adopted her, and God just allowed them to, basically, they just went down to the courthouse. They got this little girl, because, you know, sometimes people just abandon these kids, and they'll just leave them for dead, and um, they went down to the courthouse, and basically got her birth certificate, and they asked, okay, for the mother's information, and his wife gave her information, like, 62 years old, okay, this is my baby, and he gives his And so they write all of her stuff down, name, social security, all that stuff. I don't know if they have social security, but, um, and then they ask for the father's information and he writes down his information. And then they ask for the name of the baby. And they're like, uh, Ruth, Ruth, Abigail, then the mother's name and then their last name. And they didn't ask any questions. It was just like, okay, here's this 62 year old couple that just had a baby. And they didn't have to go through this really expensive adoption process like we have in our country that costs like 15,000 bucks. It's just like, okay, you're the parents. put them on the birth certificate. So it was just awesome to see the way that they're serving God and just really just pouring out their life for the Lord. And then um, uh, sarita who worked in the park with us that we were supposed to go. the the feeding center that she runs, there's 180 kids up there. And at one time, she was like a news anchor on TV or something. She did like the news. But she ended up having God kind of put a conviction on her heart for these kids. And she was running a couple of these feeding centers in uh, the worst part of Guatemala City, like where we can't even go because there's so many gang activities and stuff. And the way the feeding centers work, by the way, is... A church can sponsor one of these feeding centers. You, for $600, you can buy a stove and some tables and some chairs and plates and, you know, silverware and stuff, and then it's like $250 a month that you provide to buy the food, and the church feeds the kids three meals a week, and it's a way for the church to build, uh, you know, just a good relationship with the community because, because they're taking care of the kids in the community, and because they don't have, like, a welfare system or something like we would here, you don't just get, like, $600 check in the mail for food every month. If you don't have food, you just starve, and so she was working down in the city, and then up um, by Chickamule, about 45 minutes outside of there, a few years ago, they had a drought for, like, two or three years, and they couldn't. They didn't have food there just was no They couldn't grow anything so like literally kids were dying uh, lots of kids were dying up there so she moved out from the city out to the country because there were kids like literally kids burying kids they would just like wrap the kids in like some banana leaves and like dig a hole and put them in the ground so uh, since then they moved the ministry up there and have grown it to like 180 kids and they started a school and now they got 10 people working up there that are teachers and prepare meals and that kind of stuff so and her daughter and son-in-law help with the ministry and do all kinds of other ministries like bible studies and men's ministries and all that kind of stuff just really pouring out their lives in the community so i was in, so i was mostly encouraged to see the faithfulness and the how committed these pastors were, and just, it was such a privilege for us to be able to go in and pray for these guys and just kind of hold their arms up a little bit and just Mm -hmm. to see um, how they're just pouring their lives out for Jesus. And that just really made me have a lot of, um, convicted me to the point of, am I, am I living my life that way that, that I'm pouring my life out for the Lord and serving him and serving his bride that he laid his life down for that he calls me to do the same thing and and that you know it's my hope that I could live that same kind of way where I need people to come and pray for me because I'm working so hard that I need encouraged you know am I doing that am I am I working that hard for the Lord and for his church that I need encouragement because um, because the burden is heavy. Um, So it was just encouraging for me to see them carrying that heavy burden and that we could be able to come and encourage them um, just to continue.
0: Becky. And
8: then Kaylee. Well, Jenny cried and Dustin talked a long time, so I don't need to do either of those. It was really a great joy for me to be able to spend time with Randy and Brenda. I did get to meet them last summer for two hours at a restaurant, which really wasn't enough. But um, I think what affected me most was culture shock because the first morning we are riding down through the town to go over to the coast. I'm looking at these houses with rolls of barbed wire on the top and then it looks like they took a bunch of pop bottles and broke the neck off and set a whole bunch of them there with... And I'm like, this is awful. She says, no, this is a good part of town. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't want to go to the bad. But um, to get to the San Miguel Church, we were on this gravel road forever, seven miles I think it is back there. But um, we were meeting, it was barely one lane, and we are meeting these big um, dump trucks that are doing some projects back in there and we're going over these little bridges that sometimes have a little thing beside them and sometimes don't. And um, at one point, I looked down and all I saw was the water. (laughs) There was no road, there was no edge of the bridge, it was, and I wasn't sure where the back tires were gonna go. And I kinda yelled. (laughs) And the bus driver just cracked up because he knew exactly why I was yelling. (laughs) So the next hole he came to, he stopped. Thank you. Going, keep going. But um it was it was tough back there. The the road was all gravel, bumpy, and for probably six of the seven miles we didn't see people. There were cows, there were trees, there was green stuff, and then boom, here's a wouldn't you know, saloon and a church and a school. And everybody said it was hot. No, it was hot. <laughs> it was it was awful. It was really, really awful especially over there on the coast. And these kids are getting sick, and they're sweating to death, and they're putting on these black T-shirts to do this (laughs) video thing, and I'm sitting there going, I'm dizzy, I can't stand up without feeling like I'm going to fall over. And then the words don't come to the music. And they just kept right on going. They were absolutely amazing. The more they did it, the better they got and I think the hotter it got, but they were really, really wonderful. Um, And the service on Sunday night, um, afterwards, Asher, we were sitting at round tables, some of us, and there were couches and chairs, and most of the lights were low, and we had candles at the table, and Asher came over and sat down. He says, well, what did you think of this service? I said, I think your grandpa would have loved it because it looks just like the charismatic renewal of the 70s. <laughs>
0: that
8: wasn't what he had on his mind, but anyway. <laughs> but um, in this, I apologize for the pictures that you're going to get of scenery because I took them all through the bus window. That was the only way there was. I mean, when we were stopped in traffic, there really wasn't anything to take pictures of. And these kids... Even though we were, what, three hours, four hours sitting in traffic, five hours five, sitting in traffic? Five, six. I didn't hear one person complain. I mean, a couple of us got a little frantic about needing to go to the bathroom, but um, <laughs> we carried on. But they played games. They laughed at each other. They found out things about each other that they didn't know. and. It was just amazing. It was really amazing to watch them, to listen to them, and, and know that there was joy in the back of the bus no matter how hot it was, no matter how tired they were, no matter how bad the hotel we were going to go to and sleep in with bugs and lizards and everything else in it. But, um, yeah, it, that was great. fun. But, but um, I, I'm too old for that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like bugs in my
0: room. Okay. Bailey.
7: My favorite part would have to be that even though there was a language barrier, that we could still communicate with the kids and we would have a lot of fun like playing with them and that we could just get the message of God through to them.
2: Hello. Um, I'll start with one of my favorite parts. We were at the the English church in the night. And uh, this was a very humbling time for me because I have a, a lot of pride in my myself and my family. So this whole experience was definitely, it showed me humiliation because with pride you can't really do stuff I don't think how you normally would. at this church, uh, God spoke to Caleb, so he was down. And he was um, having a little struggle, and then I went down with Caleb, and I prayed for him, and then God just like blew up in my face, He said that I need to think less of myself and show more love. I'm a person that hates to cry in front of people. Just even crying by myself, I feel like, wow, I'm a big baby. (laughs) But, um, Crying for the right reasons is good, and not a lot. I don't cry a lot. When I'm mad, I I I uh, will break stuff, which is not good. So I probably need to do more crying. <laughs> um. Asher and Caleb, they helped me out a lot on this trip. Asher kept a lot of peace. And I mean, he talked to me and he would calm me down when I get frustrated. And Caleb he was just he was just always there. When you were down and you needed a friend, Caleb was he's right there. Then these people are like family.
0: Tyler. I will
3: remember a lot of stuff from this trip, but two things really stick out. One was when we were on the bus for like seven hours, it was horrible. I I just feel like I bonded with you all a lot more. Some of you were just yelling at me to stop singing. (laughs) I'll admit, not that good. The other thing that really stuck out to me was my wake up call at the second hotel, (laughs) It, it was horrible. I cried. <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> maybe after I'm done, Justin will go into detail on that. Okay, so I was the last one up, and Justin's like, let's scare Tyler. <laughs> so we got like six or seven people, and they all surrounded my bed. And then Justin slammed the door. And then I started opening my eyes and they'll scream. And I guess they said my face was a little something like this. <laughs> then I cried.
0: Brandy. Brandy.
9: Um, so I guess what I have for you is a little encouragement. Um. One morning while I was reading my Bible and doing some devotions and stuff, um, I have this paper in my Bible that I had uh, taken notes a while back when Vic Hildebrand came. And um, one of the sermons, or the sermon that he had done when he was here was, uh, Stay Thirsty, My Friend. And um, I've had that paper in my Bible, and at the time I really felt like, it was a really good word for our church, and so I've kept it in there, and this paper just like kept falling on my Bible. I almost lost it on the bus, and so I was like, okay, I'm sticking it back in there because I never really, you know, like I've just always kept it in there, and um, so I started reading through this paper, and um, one of the things, one of the statements that Vic had made during that sermon was um, that we are the salt And that God wants us to cause others to thirst. And then he asked the question, how do we stay thirsty? And um, I had answered on my notes um, that Vic goes to the places that his church church supports. I think he had been talking about turkey at the time, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And so basically my answer was missions, you know, was one of the answers, was missions. And... um, And yeah, just like all the others were saying, most of my thoughts on this trip was if if you parents could see your kids, you know, um, that you would be so proud of how they were reflecting Jesus to these kids and um, playing with them and touching them and, you know, using people's bathrooms that were horrible. And, you know, I mean, um, in San Miguel, a lot of the kids had bugs crawling on them, and just, you know, just conditions that we will never know, and um, places that we will never have to live in, and, uh, and yeah, just a lot of my thoughts were, man, I just wish these parents could see their kids, you know, doing God's work, and, and uh, I know that for us, with Jared, we've really noticed that any time we've ever taken him, and He's had to give of himself, and you know, just give to other people. That he just comes alive. Um, and, uh, so yeah, one of my thoughts was just, you know, you don't have to go to a faraway place to do that. You know, you can, you can get involved here, whether it be your whole family preparing a meal and taking it to somebody that needs it, or you know, just, um, just giving of yourselves. And um, so yeah encouragement would just be to um, find ways to get out there and um, do things for God and give of yourself and then go tell others about it because it's kind of, you know, it kind of catches on that, you know, you're excited and then people get excited and then they want to do stuff and, you know, and just, um, I think this mission trip was a really good thing for for us as leaders and for our kids. That there's a whole lot more out there than just what we see every week.
0: Good job. All right, All right. you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you very much. Well, that took longer than I was anticipating. However, there's nothing on but the World Cup, guys. Except, you don't. apparently if somebody wants to see it. No, I, I won't keep you long. I just want to talk for a few minutes from Psalm 139. Um, but first, I just want to, <coughs> number one, I want to thank Jenny and Dustin and Justin and Aaron uh, and my lovely wife for the countless hours spent preparing for the trip and getting ready and fundraising and arguing and talking and trying to figure out how we're going to do this and, um, and then leading on the trip. You guys, you guys have done well. So, very proud of you. Kids, thank you for going. It was a great joy to serve with you. And church, thank you for sending us. You guys made it possible for us to, uh, like Destin was saying, hold up the arms of some of these pastors, you know, and encourage them and love on these kids and, and share the gospel with them. So thank you very much for sending us. It was a, it was a great pleasure to, to get to have anything to do with it. So, all right, Psalm 139. Um, in fact, let's just stand up here together for a few minutes. Um, I want to read through it, and I just want to make a couple of observations about it, and I'm going to skip some of it, but starting in verse one, "O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made, being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Skip down to verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. God, thank you for this, for your word. Thank you for what you did in this past week and a half, God, and I pray that you would speak to us here this morning, even if it's just for a minute. God, I ask that you would be exalted and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat here. Um, this was the passage that we, uh, we worked through during some of the mornings when we had devotions together, so I just thought it might be fitting. Um, to go through it with you all, and I, I think, as we look at this, it's pretty fitting um, how God has orchestrated everything behind the scenes. Um, I know one of the things that was so amazing is that this this Union Church that we went to on Sunday evening, the message that the pastor preached. You know, all of us just kind of felt like, man, that was that was for us. Like God, a million years ago set a course of action that would put that pastor in that church preaching through that passage and get us from Topeka to there on that Sunday. He would, he would, in fact, make enough snow in northern Indiana that would make us push the trip back five more days that would put us in that church on that day to hear that message. It's pretty incredible, right? Right? I mean, God's providence and his sovereignty is mind-boggling, and that's sort of what Psalm 139 is all about here. He's saying in verses 1 through 6 that God knows everything and he knows everything about me, right? He does, he knows everything about Pastor Miguel down in San Miguel. He knows everything about Pastor Harold in Topeka. And he knows everything about the pastors in Indonesia and he knows everything about everybody. It's Insane how much God knows. That's the big idea. That He knows everything about us, He knows everywhere that we're going. God was aware, first and foremost, He was aware of when we were waiting for our plane in Chicago. He was aware of us. He was aware of us as some of the kids were pretty nervous about getting on an airplane for the first time. He was aware, He knew their fears, He knew their thoughts. And then we see in verse seven through 12 that not only is he aware of it, but he's there. He is everywhere. I mean, I can, I can tell you with 100% certainty that while you all were here in northern Indiana talking to God on sun, last Sunday, we were in Guatemala talking to God and God was talking to us at the same time. God is everywhere all at once we see here. Not only is he there, but he's intimately involved with all of us. And he leads us. You know, he led us as we were, you know, on this trip and we had these plans to go to this school and this feeding center. And God said, you're not going there. And we're like, but we're on a missions trip, right? We we think we should do missions while we're here. And so he says, okay, here's these people that have never heard Go to this park, and you can do this. He, he led us the whole way. In verses 13 through 16, then, we see here that not only has God been aware of us, has he known us, has he led us, but he made us. He, he intimately formed us in our mother's womb. I mean, there, in fact, there, other than maybe John the Baptist, there's no greater passage in the Bible for against abortion than this passage here saying God formed me in my mother's womb. You don't take what God is forming and kill it. You don't do that. God has a problem with that, right? But then we see here that the psalmist David here, as as he gets to verse 17, and and he's thinking on how the sovereignty of God and, and how God is so massively huge and massively big you know, one of the things I was talking to the kids about is, you know, I, I got the advantage of we had just flown in an airplane and got to see, you know, hundreds of miles in each direction. And we got to go and see the Pacific Ocean. So I had a little money in the bank where I could say, you know, we got to see this, these huge things that our God created. You know, it says in the Bible that God can hold the waters and the earth in the hollow of his hand. If I go and dip water out of the Pacific and hold it in my hand, I don't really make a dent in the water level. God can hold all of it. He is so huge. And then we see, you know, later on in the Psalms, David is saying, what is man that you're mindful of him? God, why would you care about us? Why would you care about this group of people in Honeyville? I mean, who cares to a monumentally big God? We are insignificant by every definition to our God. And yet, He has been mindful of us our entire lives. He has been merciful to us. And then we see in verse 17, David says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And I awake. I am still with you. Another translation says, "How difficult are your thoughts of God?" In other words, David saying here, you know, you know every thought about me, God. You know everything I've ever done. You know every thought I've ever had, every desire I've ever had, every fear I've ever had. You've known it, and I can't even count your thoughts about me. And you do that for everybody. We're tiny. And insignificant. But then it's also David saying it's a wonderful thing. It's it's this thing I can't even comprehend because your thoughts and your judgments towards me have been nothing but mercy. They've been nothing but come to me, come to me, come to me. So David is saying, How precious to me are your thoughts. How wonderful which leads us to the end of the chapter here. He says, because of these wonderful things, because of these incredible things about God, David repeats what he said. See, at first he said, Lord, you have searched me. He was saying this sort of as a, he recognizes that God has searched him, that God knows him, that there's nothing that's hidden from God. At the end here, after he, he recounts all of God's faithfulness and God's sovereignty and God's omniscience. He says, God, not only do I know that you do that, but I want you to do that. God, search me. So I just want to encourage us this morning. I don't want to take a super long time, but I want to encourage us to think on those things, to think on, to think about the fact that God has been nothing but merciful towards you. To think that I, as insignificant as I am, even if I was perfect in the way that I worshiped God, even if I read my Bible every day like I was supposed to, I'm still monumentally insignificant to God. And yet He has said, I want you to be my son, and I want you to be my friend. And, you know, if we look further down, we look to Revelations 21, we can see that God wants me to come and live with Him. Forever. It's mind-blowing. So I, I want I just want to encourage you to think about that. Think on those things. And then have the same response that David did saying, search me and know my heart. See if there's any wickedness in me. God, I don't want to be the man that I am right now. I want the sin gone. I want the addictions gone. I want everything that's evil in me gone. God, take these things from me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me towards you, God. Lead me. I know that that's where you're taking me and God, I want you to take me there. I want you to take me into your arms every day. I want you to take me wherever you're going to be. I want you to lead me in the way that you've called me We had a really cool thing happen on this trip. Uh, A young lady who's not here this morning, um, was uh, she's known this for a while, uh, that God wants her to be a missionary to a foreign country, Uh, but God over and abundantly made the call clear to her while we were on this trip that that's what she's going to do. And I don't even know that she's fully accepted it. Like, she she was just honest saying, you know, I don't want to. Um, you know, so we, we got to have the talk about, sweetie, you can't outrun God. Um, I've tried. I know you can't. He's going to catch you. If he wants you to be a missionary, you're going to be a missionary. Um, so just encouraging her to, to submit to that. So um, just actually be praying about that. Her name's Megan. Uh, be praying that God would continue to make that clear and for... Uh, any of the rest of the kids. But I just wanted to encourage you with that. Guys, think about the faithfulness of God. And recount it to yourself and to your kids. And rest in that. He's brought you here. He's had nothing but mercy for you up till now. He's going to have nothing but mercy for you in the future. So rest in that. Run after Him. Repent often. Let's pray. Worship team, you can come on, come on back. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for even just something as simple as getting us to Guatemala and back safely. God, we appreciate that. Our families appreciate that. God, we, we thank you for what you did in the lives of our kids, in the lives of me, and in our leaders. God, we thank you for what you were able to do in the lives of the Guatemalans that we were able to touch and talk to and pray for. And Father, we just pray that you would continue to breathe on the embers that were started through this trip. God, I pray that you would fan them into a flame. God, I pray that you would make us not just a missions-loving church, but a missions-sending church. God, I pray that you would Uh, reveal yourself to us, that you would hold us close to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.